Hey everybody, welcome into the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust, proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs and exclusive home of Cubs checking. Open online today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs Weekly. I'm Andy Martinez, joined by Bruce Levine. Bruce, we're here at sunny, well, the sun's setting, so maybe it's not as sunny, but Scottsdale, Arizona, the site of the GM meetings. It's been a, a crazy three days, to say the least. Well, just uh, the firing of David Ross and the hiring of Craig Council, that is set the whole baseball world uh, in, in a twirl, and especially in Chicago where it's huge news. Uh, you know, the, the idea that David Ross did something wrong or deserved to be fired, we know that's not true. It's, right. you know, Andy, it's, it's an analogy. Uh, you know, if, it's like the guy in high school that dated a girl for four years and then found out the prom queen wanted to go to the prom with him, yeah. you know, um, and, he, and he says yes, you know. It's, it was as hard a decision as the Chicago Cubs had to make over the last four or five years. I applaud Jed Hoyer for having the guts to say, we have a, a really good manager, we're getting the best manager in baseball in Craig Council. Yeah, and, and Jed you spoke to the media today, final or the penultimate day of the GM meetings, and mentioned that it's probably the hardest decision he's had to make in, in his career, just given the, the personal relationship he's had with David Ross. He's, he's known him since his time in Boston, but also since 2016 and 17, working really closely with him in the front office, and then his manager working with him every day. It wasn't like this was like a... Like uh, oh, yep, you're fired. Like take take a hike. It was it was a it was an emotional an emotional thing that he chose to do in person. Andy, yeah, and that's that's the key. What you just mentioned there. Can you imagine you know David Ross answering the door at his home on a uh, on a Monday morning and seeing his boss standing there, wondering why he'd be standing there unannounced. Right. But this was the only way Hoyer felt it was he could do it. He couldn't tell him on the phone right. he wasn't and to the credit of the Cubs and Barry Meister the agent for council and council they kept it with five people you yeah. know and it and it didn't get out even though uh, the Cubs were late getting in on November 1st the negotiations went forward and uh, the Cubs did what they had to do yeah let's talk a little bit more about kind of the background of how this came to be Tim Stebbins and Tony Andrecki filmed an earlier podcast and, and I know they, they talked about just the immediate reaction of, of the, the the move and the impact of it but this was something that it's not like uh, Jed had this planned way back in July or, or, or April right. like this was something that kind of happened pretty quickly it did happen quickly but uh, you know Jed here at the general managers meetings today talked about the fact that he knew in July that like every the baseball world knew that Craig Council was going to be available so with that being in mind, you know, it plants a seed. And then you have a season with so many highs and lows. The Cubs are 10 games under. They're buried. All of a sudden, they make this great run to mid-September where they're picked to, you know, they're, they're by September 6th, they're 96th percentile to make the playoffs. And they go on this horrible run backwards. And therefore, uh, you know, Jed's comment here was, they felt they left games on the table. It's it, yeah, it's key. You said that that was the the he he's, he mentioned that at his end of season press before Craig Council was the manager before David Ross was like oh he mentioned it felt like they left wins on the table for for various reasons, and he mentioned repeatedly how he felt like Craig Council um, allows them to to get more of those wins in the short term and in the long term. So Bruce, I'll ask you the 
the eight million dollar question, I guess, how does Craig Council get those wins? Because it's not like it's not like we can see home runs or RBI and see like that's how he got the team win. In in Craig Council's case, there's not really a, a clear statistical way in how he gets wins. So how does he do it? By getting better players. <laughs> and David Ross would have had the same uh, situation. But here's the thing, Andy. Council got the Brewers into the playoffs the last five out of six years. Okay. They do it on a shoestring in, Mil in Milwaukee, okay? They rarely have a, a payroll that escalates to $120, $130 million, never up to you know, what it was, I think, this year. It might have been its all-time high, but they're, they're going backwards. Council knew you know, the handwriting's on the wall, and that is you're going to have to continue to be a small market, sign the best players, develop the best players, and use them stealthily to even get into the playoffs, which he did better than anybody. Right. But he's never gotten to the next level. Yeah. So with the Chicago Cubs, he knows they have the resources. He knows that they have the fan base. He knows everything about the Chicago Cubs, having competed against them during his career and as a manager. And uh, this was ideal. Not to mention the fact that he's going to be the all-time highest paid manager in history. That right. doesn't hurt either. Yeah, that doesn't hurt either. And there's two things that, from, from what you said, that kind of stood out to me. And, and the first one being, he uh, kind of when Jed kind of had Craig Council on his radar, and he talked about back in 2017, uh, the, the Brewers pushed the, the Cubs coming off a of World Series and being the best team in baseball. They pushed them to the very end of September uh, for the divisional crown. And Jed remembers thinking, like, there was a big talent gap that the Brewers had no business being there or even pushing right. the Cubs again more the defending world champions as far as they did and that was kind of his his thinking where he's like what are they doing up there and and each year as you mentioned it seemed like Craig Council was getting the most out of every single player and, and he referenced a, a famous Bear Bryant quote right where he can he can beat you with his players and then he can take your players and beat uh, beat you with uh, his players so it, it's a very very right. it, 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 it's very interesting that that's how highly he thought of them. And another thing that he mentioned, too, that I thought was interesting, you touched on a little bit, but, like, the, the, the lack of, quote-unquote, playoffs success. He's been to the NLCS just once. He, he has, it, there's been no success for the Brewers in getting to the World Series or getting right. past the first round. And Jed mentions kind of the randomness that comes with the playoffs. And we saw that this year, right, whether it's the Dodgers or whether it's the Braves. And he talked about some of those teams that he thought were really, really good from the Brewers and just didn't make it. So I think there is definitely some, yeah. yes, that is a, a, a big uh, – uh, big yeah. red mark, but it's not necessarily a beyond. Andy, Andy, keep this in mind, and all the great Chicago Cub fans out there realize this: the Cubs have not been to the playoffs in 2017. They haven't right. won. They they were in the playoffs in 2020. Yeah, but they haven't won a playoff game since 2017. Right. That's a long time now. Okay. Right. So the expectations are high. Uh, I don't think David Ross again did anything wrong. That he no. wasn't on the right. Uh, way of going to be a great manager in the game their opinion is we're going to escalate this by getting the best manager in the game right and, and to me it's no different than if you look at a positional player right and you look at maybe look at third base or whatever and you think yeah we have a good third baseman but x player is available and we want to get better that that's kind of the the approach that jed hoyer mentioned and he's he's talked about how he he's made a lot of tough decisions throughout his tenure whether it was in 21, deciding to break away the championship core, players that were beloved and had such, had made such great history in the city, or, or, or this this situation right now with Ross and how he kind of uh, stomachs himself to be able to do that. And I thought his, his reasoning was very telling, where he said, 
if if I know it's a tough decision, but it's the right it's the right decision for the organization, then I'm going to do it, no matter how tough it is. Right. Bruce, how what what have you thought of uh, of him being able to do these kind of moves, and 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 what what has been the the most telling thing about that for you? For when you're talking about Hoyer, yeah. Well, it's just that <clears throat> you know, statue statuesque wise, he's not a big man, but right. he's a very gutsy guy. Yeah. Okay. And make no mistake about it, uh, the, he is uh, moving toward being a top general manager, uh, president and general manager of uh, in baseball, if not getting there. And he was raised in the Boston organization, and everything was all about winning. It's no different the way they've come here when he came here with Theo after leaving San Diego as a general manager. It's all about winning. It's all about doing it in a prudent way working with ownership, working with the business office, working with the players, working with the staff. I think he's a tremendous communicator. You deal with him all the time yourself. Yep. You realize he's a pretty friendly guy. He's a pretty genuine guy. People won't all say that now because of what happened with Ross. The reality is, you know, in, in those big jobs, you have to make big, difficult decisions, and he made one. Right. and and. and I mean, it's no different than a, a businessman, right? Like maybe you form a special connection with your number two in command, but if you know the best number two in command comes available, if you're in the business, if you're in a business, you you you, you make that you pull you that really trigger. You really do, and it stinks. You yeah, know? And, it, it, and it look, doesn't make it. It doesn't lessen the blow at buying. Look, uh, from a loyalty standpoint, you know everybody out there working jobs for people, working hard, getting, you know, busting your butt every day, hoping it's appreciated. It, it really uh, it really is a red flag like yeah. am I really being appreciated here or right. do you develop that millennial type of view like I'm just going to keep working hard and it, I'm going to move from company to company and keep advancing myself right and uh, you know maybe that's an maybe baseball's more of an old world we're going to be loyal and we're going to be here for 25 years I don't think that happens anymore. No, I don't think so either. And, and we see it all across baseball. We saw it with the Red Sox, right, who parted ways with their president of baseball operations right. for, for Craig Breslow. Um, but looking on the other side with the Brewers, uh, Matt Arnold, their president of baseball operations, spoke uh, on Wednesday. It was National, National League Availability. He talked about kind of where they go from here. Uh, I don't want to get too in-depth on that, but it's an interesting thing where, well, like, the Brewers, one of their strengths was their, their manager, and, and now they're – they're back to the drawing board. How do the, the Brewers react to this? You know, that's a difficult thing for, for Milwaukee fans. And, you know, Milwaukee fans are tremendous fans. They really support that team. But they had one of their own, okay? Yeah. He's Wisconsin-born and bred. You know, he didn't work for any other organization. After he retired, he came to the Brewers. He put, was in player development, scouting. He did just about every job, you know, before he became the manager. He knew the, the system through and through. And he was all Wisconsin, okay? Right. So for him to leave, it was hard. But for uh, Matt Arnold and the franchise to move on, it's even more difficult because you really had tremendous pride in the team and tremendous pride that the manager was from Wisconsin. Yeah. Now, this, the next guy coming in, he'll be under the microscope, no matter who it is. And it's going to be difficult to replace counsel. But as Matt Arnold said, who is the general manager of the Brewers, we, we thank Craig, we wish him well, except when we're playing against him, of course. And, and we're now we're in competition with him, okay? Yeah. And uh, our next manager is gonna fit right in because we have a great organization and we're gonna keep going with our new manager. 
Yep, and and he he was asked, does this add to the rivalry at all? He says, I don't think this <laughs> the, the the rivalry needed much adding to, oh, but it, it definitely will. Who it would he ask a question like right, that? Right, right, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, but I want to talk about too. It, the, there was a lot of feeling that with the Cubs making this move, it meant that the Cubs are all in, right? They pushed all their chips to the to the center through to in. in. They they're 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 all in, and they're gonna make all these free agent splashes, or they're gonna do all these things. Jed Hoyer kind of pumped the brakes a little bit on that, but it still feels like this is the kind of move you don't do this kind of move if you're not aggressive or if you're not uh, meaning to be aggressive with your moves. Look, uh, you know they have multiple contracts coming off of the payroll, okay? Yep. So they have the Stroman contract at $21 million. Yep. They also have the contract from Jason Hayward at right. $22 million that they were paying this year while he was playing for the Dodgers. Yep. You know, they have some bullpen pitchers that are coming off. So they're going to have about $50 million there, probably more, closer to $60 million. That's just coming off of the, the present, you know, payroll. They're going to spend money. Okay. Yeah. Uh, today, you know, when we talked to uh, Carter Hawkins here on, uh, at Marquee, you know, he talked about, we're going to do both. We're going to spend money and we're going to make trades. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the beautiful thing about the Cubs now compared to 2014 is they have a farm system that's considered one of the better ones. Other teams have been paying attention for the last few years and they're going to want to make a move with the Cubs for some of those players. So not all the young players in an organization are going to go on your major league team. They're going right. to be used to bring other players in. So that's that's where the trades might come from. The free agents, I expect them to get two pretty high-profile free agents. I don't know if it's going to be Bellinger and uh, Yamamoto, the, uh, the top Japanese pitcher, but I think it's going to be something in that area. And then I think the rest will be about... Um, making trades and making good ones. Yeah, it, it's interesting to see what's going to kind of happen. This is the time kind of when the, the, the base work gets laid for a front office, not just the Cubs, but, but all, all 30 teams in baseball. It's going to be interesting to see what kind of happens, how, how things play out. We're going to get more into that, but we're going to take a quick commercial break from, to hear a word from our sponsor. We know you love Chicago. You devour the pizza, admire Chicago's skyline, and cheer on Chicago sports teams, especially the Cubs. If you wanted to live in a more boring place, you'd live in St. Louis. Why not bank with Chicago's bank too? Upgrade your wallet with an exclusive Wintrust Cubs debit card, which you can get when you open a Wintrust Cubs checking account. Show your Cubs pride and open an account at Wintrust.com slash Cubs. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. Welcome back to the Cubs Weekly Podcast. Bruce, we kind of started touching on it just before the break. Um, free agency and, and, and what the Cubs might be doing. And uh, today, it, it's it's a marquee MLB event, the GM meetings, the winter meetings, which means Scott Boris is going to be talking. And he's the agent for Cody Bellinger, so there's there's a lot of relevancy with the Cubs right now. One of the best things about uh, Scott Boris' press conferences, though, uh, besides what he, what he says about his players or uh, the state of the game, are his one-liners about players. So I want to have a little fun with you before we, we get into the crux of it. What was your favorite one-liner from, from Scott Boris from today's uh, media availability? Well, it was about Bellinger. And, you know, Scott comes up with one-liners. He comes up with puns. Uh, he was asked about Bellinger and uh, whether he'll be coming back to the Cubs. I know I asked him directly. He was asked a few other times. He said, well, the Cubs ended up getting a full belly. But this time around, they're going to have to loosen their belt to get him back. So it was, it was pretty interesting uh, in that one-liner. I know 
he had a lot of other good ones. But in, in this case, uh, what he's saying, of course, is they're going to have to pay more than uh, seventeen million dollars this year to get Bellinger on the team. Yeah, that was a that was a really good one. Two other favorites from me: um, uh, Matt Chapman. He said, "When usually when you think of bronze, you think third, but with Chapman, you know it's gold." Referencing his gold gloves. And then as for Chapman's bat, this isn't lip service, but the chapstick really has a lot of potential. So they were very very fun. They're always they always get some cra- They always get some laughs. They, they, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a light. And you know Scott works on these. For oh two yeah, weeks right, before, right. He's right. he's got to get it he's right. Waiting perfect. For it. He's he's all about the delivery. Right. Right. Usually, always he did it. threaten to throw me out of the. Uh, you, you cut a couple. You cut him off a couple. Yeah, times. yeah. Well, you know, you have to because <laughs> these our you know marathons that he has. You know, I'm standing there. I can only handle about 45 or 50 minutes. <laughs> and uh, once he gets we were away touching from, 57. Right. Once minutes. he got once he gets uh, going, you, you got to cut Scott off. I've known him for 35 years. Terrific agent. Got a great sense of humor, but. You know, sometimes enough is enough. Right, right. Um, but let's get back to, to the crux of it. Uh, Bellinger, right? He, he talked a lot about Bellinger and just the, the interest that he has. So how real, and, and you touched on it a little bit, but how real is the interest from the Cubs and, and from the other teams in Major League Baseball for, for a, a left-handed guy, left-handed hitter who can play center field and first base? Well, I mean, it, it's huge. And, you know, when, uh, when Scott was talking about Bellinger, he said, we're looking at him more as a center fielder you right. know, going forward. That's not to say he won't play for his space. Right. He's a team player. But that's what they're looking at. And, you know, again, the, White, the Cubs have to look at their situation and go, okay, we have Pete Crow Armstrong. He came up late in the season. He didn't hit the fastball. Okay. Does he need another three months? Does he need another year in the minor leagues? Does that go into the equation? But for Bellinger... All things being equal, I think the Cubs will put in a six or seven year deal offer at a, a, a good, you know, twenty five to twenty eight million dollars a year. Try to figure that out. I mean, he was everything he wanted him to be and more here. But yeah. again, if Boris is looking for a ten year deal or if he's looking for people to bid against each other till spring training, I, I don't think the Cubs will be interested in that. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how kind of the rest of the market plays out. There's a lot of more intriguing names, but Bellinger is really the the prime position player, right? Otani's probably the best pure hitter on the or is the best pure hitter on the market. But Bellinger, like you mentioned, he can play across the outfield. He can play first base. Play it all pretty well. It'll be interesting to see how it plan pans out and how he might fit and whether or not the Cubs decide to right. to go in that market because it fits two of the holes that the Cubs have. Yeah, and Andy. The rumors are out there that the Cubs are interested in Otani. Okay, right. uh, Jed Hoyer and uh, Carter Hawkins are not going to talk about it. Okay, no. doesn't work to their benefit. But the rumors, where there's smoke, there's always fire. The Cubs are a big market team. They feel good about who, where they're at. There's no doubt that they're going to be kicking the tires on Otani. Right. As to whether they've had conversations or not about him right now, we can't tell you that for sure. Yeah, but. You think about your team, the Chicago Cubs, you think about getting the best players, and they're thinking that way too. Yeah, and it's it's that time of the year, right, where the agents are doing their, their groundwork, the, the teams are doing their groundwork, the Cubs are doing it. So, Bruce, I'll ask you a, a multi-million dollar question. Um, what else are you hearing in regards to what the offseason might look like for the Cubs? Well, you know, the Cubs are, are looking at uh, bullpen help. They, yeah. they definitely need bullpen help. You were in the scrums with me today, Andy, yep. so you understand where that is. Uh, 
The name Josh Hader as a free agent is an intriguing one. Yeah. He competed against the Cubs for so many years. He dominated the league for so many years. But age 30, making $14 million last year, what is he going to want? Uh, are you going to get him on the wrong side right. of being a dominant fastball, curveball pitcher? So these are the things you have to keep in mind. Great relationship with Craig Council, who he played for for a long time. Right. Certainly we know the Cubs bullpen would look on paper like a championship team with Hader at the back and then you have you know the arms like you know um, Alzale and people like that can slide back up to eight and seven you know when you're bringing Leiter back when you're bringing uh, Merriweather back so that's that's an intriguing name to look at here yeah I don't know if they're gonna have the resources to go 16 17 million dollars a year times three or four whether they want to throw it that way. Keep in mind... The Cubs aren't really known to do that no, either with no, closers. That, that's exactly what I'm saying. The Theo Epstein, Jed Hoyer equation has only done that minimum amount of times. As you remember, Craig Kimbrell was yep. one. And it, that didn't work out too well for the Cubs. Right. He had one good year, but it was it was wonky along the way. And yeah. they, they were very happy to be able to get a trade for him when yeah. they did. A pretty good one, right, where they got Nick Madrigal and right. Cody Hoyer in return. And he did... Jed Hoyer did talk about the, the weaknesses with the bullpen where it kind of faded off at the end of the year and it was because they were playing so many close games and there's a lot of questions about the bullpen usage but Jed Hoyer mentioned too like there was a lot of one run two run games where he they had to use these these high leverage arms repeatedly and that kind of cost him at the end so this this offseason is all about finding those volume guys and to me it's about finding veteran relievers that can fill that 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 bridge or fill those roles they were hoping that was Brad Boxberger and Michael Fulmer, but because of injuries they, they, and then some ineffectiveness, they, they never really did that. But I think they got to find more than just two next offseason. Well, you know, keep, this in, season, keep in mind that they have high hopes for Ben Brown. They, yeah. have, they have even higher hopes for Cade Horton, right. who they feel is going to be a dominant pitcher in Major League Baseball very right. soon. So you can look at them by midsummer, and without injury, you can project them being on the team. Uh, do those big arms and big power arms equate into having more innings than you think from your starting pitchers so that you don't run into a situation where you have three or four guys who are approaching 70 appearances out of that bullpen right. and are totally right. worn out by the end of the year. So uh, these are parts of the you know the equation very difficult to figure out because there's been so much dependency on bullpens over the last four or five years. Yeah, and... and- Jed also talked about some of these guys that there was a lot of hopes on, right? Like whether it was a Brandon Hughes and or, or, or a Cody Hoyer. He mentioned that they, going into the season, there was hope like, okay, by June, you'll have Cody Hoyer and Brandon right. Hughes into the bullpen. That never materialized. They never pitched in, in, in for after their injuries. Cody Hoyer didn't pitch at all in, in 2023. So you can have all these plans, right? You can have all these hopes, but you don't know, especially with pitchers and young pitchers, What's going to happen? There's one wild card here, and, and people should keep this in mind. When they hired Joe Madden, Joe Madden had a hammer. Okay, that means he was their most sought-after manager. They felt the best manager in baseball. At that point, he had a voice in moves that they made. Right. Keep your eye on Craig Council because he is going to have a voice in what moves they yeah. make. He's not going to have the final voice. He's not going to tell Hoyer and Hawkins what to do. He's not going to tell Mr. Ricketts how to spend his money. But he's going to be involved in those meetings, okay? Right. And he's going to let them know who he thinks is, is 
the, the guy to bring in or the people to bring in to help them win championships. Another interesting point that, that Hoyer mentioned with regards to the bullpen is it, uh, he was asked about was it just trying to find more sure things in the bullpen, right, and not having so much of these wild cards. And it, it's an interesting point that I think sometimes can get easily overlooked, especially in the bullpen. It's like there's no such thing as a sure thing, right? Like you might right. think you're getting this reliever and he's going to be great. And and, and Brad Botterer, I think, was that, right? Like he was one of the best relievers in baseball right. going into this season and he was hardly a factor for the Cubs in 2023. Michael Fulmer was a pretty good reliever in 2022 struggled a lot throughout the throughout the season you might have the surest thing even like someone like josh Hader. if you were signing right. there's no guarantee he's but he's, who was going to think that uh, uh merriweather exactly. and lighter were going to be on the other side of that right right and being contribute you know contributing to being two of the top relievers in the national league right. before it was all said and done you know so, so certainly the surprises work both ways you right. have to be prepared and again, it's all about having inventory. Yeah, exactly, and that's what I was going to say, is that you can't go in with like signing two guys and saying, like, all right, if these two guys hit, right. you're good. Because if they don't hit, then you're really you're back where you started. So it's about having volume in terms of the bullpen that you can have three, four options. And that's kind of what they had, uh, I think, back to 21, when it was Robertson, to, to, uh, or excuse me, Robertson, um, Martin and Givens. Right. There were other guys that were brought in, like Daniel Norris, that was right. brought in that you thought might be a big piece. And, and so, you, like, there was you have to have that volume of, of different relievers that can allow you to have that margin of error. You got to get lucky too. Yeah, you go. You, everyone always needs that. Yeah. Um, going on to another roster roster situation that Jed Hoyer mentioned that was incredibly important, uh, Christopher Morrell. And he talked about how he's going to be playing winter ball and he's going to be getting a lot of work throughout the, throughout the field, but prim- his, the bulk of his work is going to be coming at first base, which was – Big news for everyone. Uh, it, it's a hole for for the Cubs positionally. That it was it was something that they really needed to fill. This that they really need to fill. Does Morel fill, fill that first base hole? What, what what do you make of this? I this? don't know because uh, I, I'm one of the believers in the game that first base is a very difficult position. Yeah. And and you you get the more the ball more at first base than anywhere else. Andy. Right. And the, the 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 little plays that look so easy like flipping it to the pitcher. Making the three-six-three double play, yeah. uh, being able to position yourself properly, being there on the bag for pickoffs—you uh, know, this is not an easy position to learn right. if you want to be very good at it. Right. Uh, I hope if they put him there, that it's not an experiment, and that they 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 give him all the time in winter ball, all the time in spring training, to really learn the position because. If you don't have a good first baseman, it can really cost you. It really can, and we saw some of those those errors at first base, whether it was Trey Mancini in London or things like that, where it, it caused the team's run. For a team that's so predicated on defense, it, they have to get this right, and I think there's some proof of concept in Nick Madrigal. I, I remember when Nick Madrigal, when Jed Hoyer said Nick Madrigal's going to be playing third base, it was kind of like, what's he talking about? And then Nick Madrigal turned into a serviceable third base, so does that prove or does that example help the Cubs in being able to maybe get him to play some first base? You hope, but there there has got to be an awful lot of work put in. Yeah. And the one thing about Morrell, which you love, is this is a terrific kid. Everybody loves him. On top of it, he's an extremely hard worker. I think if the Cubs had one major failure in 2023, Andy, and that was that they didn't really work hard with him at one position. Right. E- even in, uh, you know, I'm talking about, in batting practice, you know, they moved them all over. Yep. You know what? 
at one at a certain point, Ross wouldn't put him out there in defense because he made errors at every position they put right. him at. Right. So it wasn't fair to the kid. Uh, to Ross's credit, it wasn't fair to the team. He wasn't going to put him in positions where he thought it was going to cost them games. Yeah. But, you know, you do have to develop the guy, and I, I hope they leave him at one position and say that's it. And to, to that point, I, I remember throughout the season, it, it, it was, to, as you mentioned, pregame. You'd see him taking reps at second base. You'd see him taking reps at third base. You'd see him in the outfield. You also saw him taking reps at first base, and that's kind of when the, 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 the seed of this, I think, for me started, where it's like, right. Yes, maybe he could do first base, and maybe there is a hole, and like maybe if you work on it, we'll see if this works. But yeah, it it, it it's there's a lot of power in that bat. Jed Howard has mentioned like they want to find a positional home for him, and his best position might be second base. Well, but you got to go Glover there. Andy, here's another thing that we have to mention. Morell has been asked for by numerous teams already. Yep, that's what He's I was going to be yeah. in trade talks. I know Cub fans don't want him to leave. He's got magical bat speed. I think he's got the potential to be 40 home runs every year. If you combine his minor leagues and major leagues, he hit 40 home runs last year. Right. Okay, so from that perspective, he is an interesting chip if you are going to go after a Juan Soto, if you're going to go after a Pete Alonso. He's the number one guy that's going to be asked for as far as position players go. Yeah, and uh, I pulled up a quote that Judd said today, and I, I thought this was the most telling thing to your point. He was asked about the, the most difficult part about trying to figure out a position for Christopher Morrell and where to put him. He said, quote, it's hard because some of that is based on the skills, his skill set and some of that's based on our personnel, right? I think he's a very capable second baseman. We have a guy that's won a gold glove, so that's not the spot we're going to put him. I think another team might be able to put him there and have him do that. I think it's both it's both marrying those things. We have really two really good, capable out corner outfielders, and I think that's where some of the conversations around first base make sense because it kind of fits what we need a little bit and fits our needs and potentially his needs. So, yes, it could be in a perfect world. He crushes first base. He learns how to play the position. Both sides win. Right. You know, but, the old-time baseball people would say, when a guy hits, we'll find a position exactly. for him. Exactly. But, he, you know, it, it's not always that easy. Right. Okay. And, and to that point, and that quote I thought was really telling, I think another team might be able to put him there and have him do that. I think that speaks to your point about if a team's looking for a, a trade and they might need a second baseman or they might need a utility right. guy, that, that's a fit. And, and, you know, they, they have duplications in their mind for Morrell. That's right. the good news about the Cubs farm system. You know, they, they have... They have uh, Canario, okay? Right. They have Alcantara coming, okay? These are big bats that they feel are going to supply power and they're going to supply slug to that lineup. So they don't have to say, well, we just have to hold on to Christopher Morrell because he, we produced him and we don't have anything else. Right. There, are, there are other bats coming. There are other players coming. And I think one of the, the beauty... One of the beauty of, of Christopher Morrell is, like, he wasn't a top prospect, right? He wasn't a Kevin right. Alcantara. He wasn't an Alexander Cordaro. He was listed near the bottom of any ranking you find, and he's turned into probably one of the best uh, major leaguers that they've produced in the, over the last couple of years. And and you, you figure if that happens with Christopher Morrell, maybe there is, like, a prospect who you might think is a 24th-ranked prospect right. who might be able to contribute at the big league level. Yeah, I, I just think that the, the beauty of the Chicago Cubs and the charge that Hoyer took was, we're going to build a minor league system, and they've done it through trades, they've done it through draft, okay? They brought Carter Hawkins along as a general manager who had a tremendous background in pitching and developing pitching in that pitcher-rich Cleveland organization. You know, they've done a lot of intelligent things and hard work here 
over the last three or four years. I remember when the Cubs traded you, Darvish, Jed Hoyer says you have two types of currency in baseball, right? You have financial currency, which you use on free agents, you use on extensions, and you have prospect currency, which you can use to either supplement your big league team or use in trades to, supp to, to supplement your big league team that way. Cubs are in a position where they've got both, and it's going to be really interesting to see what they do this offseason with right. both of those currencies. Well, it's going to be a great offseason, Andy, and again, when you hear the GM and the president of baseball operations say, we're going to build our team through trades, we're going to do it through free agency, and we have a really strong farm system. It's a good sign. It is, and, and we're going to have it all covered on Marquee Sports Network, marqueesportsnetwork.com, Cubs 360. Bruce, you, I know you'll, you'll have a lot of content throughout the winter. I know Tony and Jackie and I will have a lot of content. It's going to be, it's going to be a fun winter for the Chicago Cubs. So thanks. Bruce, thanks for being on the podcast. Um, that'll do it for this edition of the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust. Don't forget to download and subscribe to the pod on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and check us out in video form on the Marquee Sports Network app and YouTube. For Bruce, I'm Andy. Thanks for tuning in.